What's up everyone? Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning online Water's Edge worship experience. We thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, for those of you that share these links and these videos with your friends and family, thank you so much for that. We hope it's very helpful. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us love more people and help more people and serve more people and feed more people. I think we have a food pantry coming up in a week or so. We expect to feed about a thousand people on that day. Your generosity will help us be a blessing to so, so many people with Miss Kelly and her team in our church. Thank you so much for that. Sometimes other people in our life, whether aware or unaware, whether intentional or unintentional, can cause you and I deep hurt and deep pain in this life. And so sometimes in order to reassemble our heart, because you and I have been through heartache and pain in our life as we have dealt with other people in our life. And so sometimes in order to reassemble our heart, one of the things we have to do, we pointed this out last week, is we have to forgive. And when we talk about forgiveness, this is what we talk about and remember this. To forgive thoroughly, you must take payback off the table even if you have the opportunity. If you really want to be a person who forgives and you reassemble your heart after heartache, you have to forgive and you have to forgive thoroughly. And in order to do that, you have to take the opportunity to get payback off the table. Even if it presents itself and it would make you feel better for just a moment, you have to take it off the table. Our Father, who art in heaven, worthy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses. That's when you cross the line in someone else's life. You cross the line with God and you cross the line with someone else. You trespass. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have crossed the line in our life. And so today we continue with our relationship series in February called Reassemble, How to Restore Broken Hearts from Broken Relationships. In the book of John chapter 14, Jesus starts to talk about heaven. Notice this in verse one. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home or my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, right here in this passage, Jesus is telling his disciples about heaven, and he refers to it as his father's house or his father's home. And he said also, and this is like heaven, that in his father's house, there are many, many, many rooms. And when the time is right, he wants us to be with him in his father's house, in heaven, or the kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is what's so interesting. Right here, when Jesus got ready to talk about heaven and the kingdom of heaven, he actually starts to use the language of love and relationships, and specifically marriage. Because back in the days of Jesus, when a young man was ready to get married, after he proposed, if her family would accept the proposal, and if she would accept the proposal, this is what he would say. He would say, I'm gonna go back to my father's house and I'm gonna prepare a room for you. At that time, he would go back to his father's house, his parents' house where he was raised, and he would start to build an add-on addition, an add-on room 
to his father's house. And once this small room, this small little apartment, this small add-on addition was added on to his father's house, then it was time for him to go get his bride. If he had brothers, when they got married, they would do the same thing. After uh, their brides, after their fiancés would accept the proposal, they would all go back and they would add on rooms, small additions to the father's house. And so eventually they would all end up living together at the father's house. And the father's house would end up like this if he had many sons and they all got married, it would be one big house with many, many, many different rooms, and everyone was there together. Now, once the groom finished building this new room, this new addition to the father's house, once he was finished, then he would go back and get his bride-to-be, and guess how he would go back and get her once the room was ready? With a big, massive parade that would last for weeks, a party in the streets, a huge marriage celebration. And it was a time of joy and love and happiness and celebration. And so catch this, when Jesus got ready to talk about heaven, he did that by using the example of a marriage celebration. Now, when you and I think about heaven, what comes to our mind? No more heartache, no more tears, no more pain, the presence of God, angels, the crystal sea, the streets of gold, mansions, no division, no sickness, no disease, hope. This is what we think about when we think about heaven. But many times when we think about relationships, that's not what we think about. The word heaven doesn't come to our mind. The words frustration comes to our mind. Hard work, commitment, difficulty. These are the types of words, heartache and pain, that come to our mind. But when Jesus got ready to talk about heaven, he did use the language of love and relationships. Why? Because to God, our relationships should be a source of rest for us and peace for us and hope for us and celebration and joy and happiness and love for us. And so that raises a question. Are you happy? which means your happiness and joy is important to God and is not overrated to God. God doesn't want you to live negative and dark and unhappy all the time. But the truth is, so many people in our world are living an unhappy life and a miserable life. And one of the reasons why is because of this, because either their loneliness is making them very unhappy, they feel alone and that makes them unhappy, or in their relationships, and it could be any type of relationship because we have many types in our life, there's conflict and tension and that relational conflict and tension is making them unhappy. And many times, if we would trace back to the source of most of our unhappiness, it would usually just go back to that. Either I'm not in a relationship and I want to be because I have desires that I think a relationship can fulfill, or I'm in a relationship and this relationship is not a source of peace for me, but it's always a source of tension and hurt and division, and I have expectations that are not being met, and so it causes all this pain in my life. And that can be any type of relationship whether it's a fiance or a spouse or someone that you're dating or a friend or a coworker or a boss or whoever it is. So now the relationship has conflict over unmet expectations. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to do this series is so that you and I would understand that yes, in fact, as we relate to other people, that joy and happiness should be very, very normal for us. And if you're happy, then chances are you know some things that other people who aren't happy just don't know or they just don't know yet. So here's the question. What do happy people, and what do happy people in relationships know that other people just don't know yet? Now, y'all know I'm your pastor, but I have a confession to make. Several years ago, I think it was around 22, 23 years ago, I, one day I was leaving classes at McNeese. I was still in college. 
and I was driving down Ryan Street, heading towards the interstate to go back to De Quincey. And so I stop at a red light on Ryan Street, and it's about lunchtime, and it's super busy. You know how Ryan Street gets. And I'm chewing some gum, and I'd had the gum since before classes started at McNeese. It lost its flavor. I'm stopped at a red light. I wasn't really thinking. I rolled down my window, and I spit out this huge wad of gum out onto the street. And so the light turns green, and I, I keep going down Ryan Street, and I stop at the next red light. And when I do, this car pulls up next to me, and there's a girl who's driving, and there's a guy who's in the passenger seat, and they're to my left, and so the passenger seat is close to me. There's the guy, and then there's the girl, and they're motioning me to roll down my window, and so I thought that maybe they knew me, maybe they recognized me. I had done revivals and preached services for years in that area, and so maybe that's what they knew, and they just recognized me. And so when I rolled down the window, this is what she said. She said, hey, you spit your gum on the street. That was rude. Somebody could step in it. I said, uh, well, I'm sorry. I said, I hope they don't because it's in the middle of a busy intersection on Ryan Street, and if they do step on it, that's going to be the least of their problems. She goes, I think you should go back and get it. I said, heck no. I'm not going back to get it at all. And then I looked at her boyfriend. I says, you don't have anything to say? And he kind of mumbled. He goes, she says everything. She goes, yeah, that's right. I say it, and I think you need to go back and pick it up off Ryan Street. And I said, heck no, I'm not going to do that at all. And I rolled up my window. The light turned green, and this is my confession. I hit the gas. I sped up, I went in front of them, I slowed down, I put in two more pieces of gum, chewed them up real good, and spit them out on Ryan Street right in front of them. Don't judge me, 22 years ago. But why do we do that? Because we all do it, or at least we all want to, and this is what I mean. Anytime we're challenged, or confronted, or convicted, or anytime our weaknesses, or our flaws, or patterns are exposed to us, usually our first reaction is to fight back, or to make an excuse, or to defend, uh, defend our decisions, or justify it, or lash out, or run away, or ignore it. And the sad truth is this, that people do this in relationships all the time. Not every opinion, not every thought, not every feeling, not every view, not every action is worth defending. And the reason why is because not every thought that you have, not every feeling that you have, not every opinion or view that you have is always right. It's not always worth defending because it's not always right or correct, especially in the context of how we relate to other people. Now, like we pointed out, we all enter into relationships last week with expectations. And the only way to keep those expectations from hurting that relationship is to decide that the other person does not owe you in the relationship, that it's not going to be a debt tug-of-war relationship. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, he did that because he loved us, and he did that with no guarantee that we would ever love him back or follow him back or commit to him back. And the Bible says that we should love each other just as Jesus Christ loved us. And so he loved us with no expectations of getting anything back, and that's how we're supposed to love other people. And so as long as you think the other people in your life, whether it's someone, again, that you're dating, a fiancé, a spouse, a friend, a co-worker, a family member, as long as you think that they owe you something because of how you've loved them, then that relationship now is a debt relationship. It's a tug-of-war relationship where you're both just trying to fight to get the other person to your side, and it's always going to be a source of unhappiness. But as we reassemble our hearts, we have to choose to decide to love in a different way. But it's not wrong to have hopes, dreams, and desires. God created us to have those things in our life. The question is, if you're not supposed to turn them into expectations, then what are you supposed to do with them? Well, we're going to answer that question in just a few moments. But first, a different question. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Notice this. 
In what ways have you dealt with unmet expectations in the past? And how has that hurt the quality of your relationships? Y'all remember how I reacted when that lady told me that I shouldn't have spit out my gum on Ryan Street and I should go pick it up? I got defensive and I spit some more gum out at their car. Well, whenever you and I cause tension in a relationship over unmet expectations, the reactions reflect more on us than it does the other person. It shows our selfishness. It shows our lack of humility, our insecurities. It shows our weaknesses. It shows how childish we can be. And many times, instead of looking at ourselves in the mirror and dealing with what we need to deal with, we usually just get defensive, build up cases to justify it, make excuses, blame someone else, and, and on and on. You know what? You and I have some very common responses to unmet expectations. Like this, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Notice this. Sometimes we ignore them. Sometimes we keep busy. Sometimes we pretend that we don't care. Sometimes people just find someone else, another group of friends, another church, another job, uh, another neighborhood, another spouse, another person to date. You just decide to deal with your hurt in that way. You and I do this all the time when our expectations are not being met by the other people in our life. And then we first usually react in ways that end up hurting the relationship. We do things like ignore the other person in our life when our feelings are hurt over unmet expectations. We do this by staying really busy so we don't have to think about how the relationship is not meeting our expectations. We do this by pretending that we don't care that our expectations for attention and affection and intimacy and love and all that kind of stuff is not being met. We don't care. Now understand, that it is okay, and it's okay to be frustrated and sometimes even hurt over unmet hopes, dreams, and desires, and expectations in your relationships. But what's never okay is to release your hurt onto the other person in your life because of that. So the question is, where do you release this hurt and frustration? If it's okay to have it, but you're not supposed to release it onto the other person, then what are you supposed to do with it? Well, the best place to take it is to your creator who created you to have those hopes, dreams, and desires. That would make perfect logical sense because he created you to have those things. Notice what the disciple Peter has to say about it in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5. You still with me, Sam? Still with you. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Now, when Peter says right here to accept the authority of the elders, the elders were the pastors of the church. And in the previous verses, he had just got finished telling them to love the church just like Christ loved the church in such a way to where you love people with no expectations of getting anything back. And so when he says to respect the authority of the elders, he wasn't saying that you need to do everything they tell you to do. He was saying to follow their example that young people should follow the example of the elders in the church who are loving people with no expectations, with no strings attached. We move on. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Verse 7, give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Right here, Peter says that in humility, take all of your worries, hopes, dreams, desires, frustrations, heartache, and pain, and take it to your creator and cast it upon God, for God is love and God cares for you. Listen, so many times you and I will wreck relationships and we will hurt other people in our life because we expect them to do for us what only a relationship with God 
can do in our life. Someone else cannot be the ultimate source of purpose, hope, love, happiness, significance, and joy in your life. It has to come from walking with Jesus. And so what do we do with our worries and our cares and our hurts and our frustrations and our unmet expectations? We take them to God and we cast them all upon God. Stop seeking God in a half-hearted way. Take it all to Him. Stop holding back in your relationship with God. Take it all to Him. Stop praying pretty little, polite, polished prayers. Take it all to Him. Get real with God. Get honest with God. Get humble with God. Get unfiltered with God, and just take it all to Him. And because of that humility, Jesus can do amazing things in our life and our hearts can start to reassemble. Now, humility can solve so many problems in our life and in our relationships. And right now in your life, there are areas that require humility. Humility before God and humility with other people in your life. And so what area in your life right now, what area requires humility? Because humble people are happy people. When your relationship has tension and problems and distance and frustrations, to reassemble our hearts, always ask this question. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Notice this. What would a humble person do? In this situation, what would a humble person do? A humble person doesn't try to prove a point, doesn't try to make excuses, doesn't try to play tug of war, get you over to their side, doesn't try to stay busy just so they can forget about it, doesn't get defensive or lash out or blame or find someone new. Actually, a humble person races to the back of the line because they understand that a relationship is a mutual competition of service. A humble person loves without the expectation of getting paid back. A humble person admits when they're wrong. A humble person can see their negative patterns and say, I must change this in my life because we love like Jesus with humility. Then we can solve so many issues in our life and in our relationships. And so to reassemble our heart, not only do we need to forgive and forgive thoroughly, but we also need to always ask the question, what would a humble person do in this situation? Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love you. Can't wait to see you back next week.